It's Wednesday, October 16th. I'm Nicole Ellis. This is an impeachment inquiry update from Post Reports. All right, let's begin. Since the last debate, House Democrats have officially launched an impeachment inquiry against President Trump, which all the candidates on this stage support. Senator Warren, I want to start with you. The question is, with the election only one year away, why shouldn't it be the voters who determine the president's fate? Because sometimes there are issues that are bigger than politics. And I think that's the case with this impeachment inquiry. It was the first question they all got asked because it's arguably the bigger story than the 2020 primary right now. That's Amber Phillips. And I analyze politics for the Fix Politics blog at The Washington Post. She covered Tuesday's Democratic debate hosted by CNN and The New York Times. And she was watching closely as the 2020 candidates were asked about impeachment. All of them got asked, do you think Trump should be impeached? All of them said yes. Uh, I think that the House will find him uh, guilty of Worthy of impeachment. Impeaching and removing this president is something that the American people are demanding. We have a constitutional duty to pursue this impeachment. We have to impeach this president. And then Joe Biden was asked about the origins of the impeachment inquiry and what his son had to do with it. The impeachment inquiry is centered on President Trump's attempts to get political dirt from Ukraine on Vice President Biden and his son Hunter. Having said that, on Sunday, you announced that if you're president, no one in your family or associated with you will be involved in any foreign businesses. My question is, if it's not okay for a president's family to be involved in foreign businesses, why was it okay for your son when you were vice president? Vice President Biden? Yeah, Joe Biden ducked this question like his life depended on it. Look, uh, my son did nothing wrong. I did nothing wrong. I carried out the policy the United States government. His son earlier in the day had given an interview on ABC News where he said, look, I showed poor judgment in serving on this board of a foreign company while my dad was vice president. If he were president, I'm not going to do that again. And, you know, I'm going to try not to trade on the Biden name. The eyebrow-raising line for me is when I heard Joe Biden say, I'm proud of my son's judgment, even though a couple hours earlier his son has said, I had poor judgment. My son made a judgment. I'm proud of the judgment he made. I'm proud of what he had to say. And let's focus on this. The fact of the matter is that this is about Trump's corruption. And then he quickly pivoted to what he wanted to be talking about, which is why him at the center of this. His talking point is it's because Donald Trump is afraid of me. And yes, I will beat him. He's going after me because he knows if I get if I get the nomination, I will beat him like a drum. At least one candidate on that stage that night who had said, not at the debate stage, but previously, uh, Beto O'Rourke, you know, I don't think I would let my family members serve on any any foreign boards. So there is some criticism within the Democratic primary about Biden's choices with the son. But I think overall, they're all holding hands in a sense of unity against Donald Trump that like he went after one of their own in ways that was unnecessary. Right. It seemed like a good part of the focus was off of Vice President Biden and on to Elizabeth Warren. And I'm wondering what the attacks were on Elizabeth Warren, because it really did seem like the focus had pivoted to her. I think that's absolutely right. I think, first of all, that should concern Biden, (laughs) that candidates aren't trying to attack him anymore. Donald Trump is, but 
The rest of the 2020 primary candidates seem to think Warren is more the dangerous candidate for them. And she is leading in polls nationally and in some early states as well. So the headline attack against her is, why do you support Medicare for all when you can't say it would raise taxes on the middle class? You have not specified how you're going to pay for the most expensive plan, Medicare for all. Will you raise taxes on the middle class to pay for it, yes or no? So I have made clear what my principles are here, and that is costs will go up for the wealthy and for big corporations and for hardworking middle class families. Costs will go down. The struggle there for Elizabeth Warren is how to frame Medicare for all in a way that shows what people are going to pay and how it's going to change their lives, but also demonstrate that she's being honest about these big changes she's proposing. Like Pete Buttigieg made a point after Elizabeth Warren like failed three times to directly answer a moderator's question. He said, well, we heard it tonight, a yes or no question that didn't get a yes or no answer. Therefore, you know, the moderates had an opening to say Medicare for all might not be the best idea if Elizabeth Warren just can't be straight with you. Look, this is why people here in the Midwest are so frustrated with Washington in general. Your signature, Senator, is to have a plan for everything except this. No plan has been laid out to explain how a multi-trillion dollar hole in this Medicare for All plan that Senator Warren is putting forward is supposed to get filled in. It seemed like moderate candidates came out swinging and had a lot of other issues that they attacked Elizabeth Warren on. What were some of those other big issues? So the moderates were really going after the underlying philosophy that Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders have about how they're going to provide all these big government programs from early childhood education onto student loan forgiveness onto free health care. Costs are going to go up for the wealthy. They're going to go up for big corporations. Elizabeth Warren in particular says, let's tax the rich. Let's tax the top like 1% of the 1%. They will not go up for middle class families and I will not sign a bill into law that raises their costs. Uh, She has a bunch of stats she throws out about how much money that would rain down on the economy. The moderates were critical of that. So candidates like To a lesser degree, Joe Biden, Pete Buttigieg, and to a higher degree, Amy Klobuchar and Andrew Yang criticize that philosophy by saying, sounds great when you say it on the debate stage. How are you going to implement this? I appreciate Elizabeth's work. But again, um, the difference between a plan and a pipe dream is something that you can actually get done. Andrew Yang in particular had a really salient line where he said, a bunch of other countries that ascribe to your philosophies tried to implement a wealth tax. And a wealth tax makes a lot of sense in principle. The problem is that it's been tried in Germany, France, Denmark, Sweden. And repealed it. And all those countries ended up repealing it because it had massive implementation problems. Elizabeth Warren's response to that was, why are y'all trying to protect billionaires? And a bunch of them chimed in, even though it wasn't their turn to speak, and said, I'm not trying to protect billionaires. And Amy Klobuchar got a moment where she said, look. No one on this stage wants to protect billionaires. Not even the billionaire wants to protect billionaires. <laughs> and that was true of Tom Steyer, his first times on the debate stage, a climate activist and an impeachment activist. Uh, we just have different approaches. Your idea is not the only idea. So... This is the first time we really see everyone going at Elizabeth Warren nonstop, and she is just sustaining constant attacks. And I'm curious to hear how you think she handled that. 
Yeah, that's right. She definitely got a pass in a bunch of other debates. But now we have this moment where Biden is fading a little bit in the polls and, you know, struggling to figure out how hard to push back on all the unsubstantiated Ukraine allegations. Bernie Sanders comes just having a heart attack and having had to pause his campaigning. Elizabeth Warren has ascended in the polls and hasn't had very much scrutiny. So she should have been ready for this fuselage against her. I think she seemed kind of surprised (laughs) that people were going after her. Her main takeaway that she wanted voters to have was, I know it's going to be hard, but Democrats have to have big ideas if we want to beat Donald Trump. So for the most part, Democrats are fighting it out basically on the same policy questions that we've had since the first debate. And I'm wondering, what do you think has changed, if anything has changed throughout these debates? On policy, it doesn't seem like it. They still have deep ravines between the moderates and the more liberals on Big, big issues like healthcare and taxes and income inequality and even gun policy to some degree. On politics, I think last night's debate shifted things fairly dramatically. And what I mean by that is the candidates, almost all of them except for Elizabeth Warren, decided, let's go after each other. Let's do it. Like, at some point— I am a candidate and I see X, Y, and Z candidates standing in my way to get to where I want to be, I'm going to have to go negative. I think this debate underscored what the polls have shown us for a little while, which is that Elizabeth Warren is leading. At the Washington Post on the politics team, we hesitate to call anyone a front runner because who knows, (laughs) things change by the minute at some point. I think this debate also underscored that candidates who haven't vaulted into the top tier are nervous about that, that despite how open this field can be, it's also been pretty solid among the top three candidates, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, Joe Biden. And I saw some nervous energy among people right below them, the Cory Bookers, Kamala Harris's, Pete Buttigieg's, and Amy Klobuchar's of the world going, ooh, if I don't do something now, I don't know that I don't know that I'm going to be positioned to have a strong showing in Iowa. Amber Phillips covers politics for The Fix. That's it for this segment of Post Reports. Full episodes of our show come out every weekday afternoon. You can subscribe at postreports.com or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Nicole Ellis, filling in for Martine Powers. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.